So clearly there are benefits for all really. I mean it's a win-win situation for the NHS, for pharmacists, for patients, for GPs. For the NHS, the obvious one is a reducing burden on GP time. So, and also the drug budget. And it also helps fulfill their self-care agenda in terms of getting patients, customers to take ownership of their own, their own health. In 2007, there's some PAGB um, uh, research that found that 976 million OTC packs were sold in 2007. So that's a huge amount. But at the same time, they found that there were 57 million consultations with GPs on minor ailments. Minor ailments are things that pharmacists could easily get involved in. So there's a lot of potential there for pharmacist involvement and also for transferring that care from GP to pharmacy. As I said, in terms of patients, it gives them choice, it increases the access to medicines and also professional advice. With the pharmacy, it's ready professional advice on the high street without a need for appointment. And with more and more Pomptopies coming on board, it means they're not only getting that, they're actually getting something they can go away with, so, you know, a, a, an effective treatment, rather than having to be referred back to the GP. And just to make a point here, that patients from the research we've come across are prepared to pay that extra price, that premium for an OTC POMTP medicine, rather than going to, the going to the doctor for a prescription. They value the advice that they get from the pharmacy and they value the convenience as well of being able to get something or getting access to health to advice and a treatment easily on the high street rather than having to make an appointment with the GP. So for pharmacists, the benefits and the opportunities are self-evident. It helps fulfil a lot of the contract obligations, so self-care, health promotion. It also gives them an effective treatment that they can give to customers or to patients rather than referring them back to GPs. It increases footfall, so it's good for business as well, so let's not forget that. It helps develop pharmacists' professional role as well as help build the business. And it's also about upskilling all pharmacy staff. It's not just the pharmacists. Pharmacists are taking on more and more roles. Pharmacy assistants, other support staff are starting to take on some of the OTC roles. And it's about upskilling them and preparing them for these roles so that they can support the pharmacist. And the interesting thing with POM2Ps is the service development. As I said earlier, the push for POM2P is reflecting the way pharmacists work now. It's very much about service delivery, it's very much about continued care for patients, and it's about what, what POM2Ps do, with, particularly with some of the newer ones that are coming out, is it helps pharmacists link a service to a product. So if we take the example of Clomel, azithromycin, or chlamydia. The way the POM2P was, was switched, it had a service element attached to it. So there's a very in-depth consultation there, which again, for some pharmacists, in-depth consultation means more time, means sort of a reluctance to get involved. But the way 
activists got around that is by charging for a test. So farmers are actually getting paid effectively for the time they spend in counselling customers. And it fitted in with some of the other services that they already provide. So they've got emergency hormonal contraception and you know some of the other sexual health services that might be providing. So what POM2P does, it helps the pharmacy offer a more holistic service that links in with all the other services and all the other um, activities that they do and offer to customers. And as I said, you know, ultimately also it's good business. So despite all these opportunities, despite all these benefits, what we're finding, pharmacists are still not engaging fully. They realise that POM2P offers all those benefits. They realise the potential, the, the kudos it builds for them amongst other healthcare professionals and they're standing in the, on the, uh, in the high street. So in theory they support it, in practice we found that they don't. They don't make the most of the opportunity. And there have been a number of theories put against that. The PAGB recently commissioned a survey from HAD looking at pharmacists' attitudes to POM2Ps. The, cert, the um, survey was presented at BPC, so you'll be able to get more details on the BPC website. But effectively, they, looked, they asked 40 pharmacists their attitudes and beliefs towards 11 recently switched POM2P products. What was really encouraging is 80% of pharmacists, as I said, found that POM2P actually adds to their profession. They saw value in that. And the key drivers they found for it was the fact that if it offered a therapeutic advance, they were more likely to recommend. So they were the key drivers for them recommending a POM2P. So if they felt it was a new therapeutic area and it's something that you couldn't offer a treatment for, uh, previously they were very much against it, almost all said that was a key driver. Another key driver is the belief in the product, so belief in the fact that it's safe and effective and it actually addresses an unmet need. And just over half thought that a key driver for recommending a POM2P was the opportunity to counsel and to offer a service and offer advice and again it reinforces their role on the high street as a, as a centre for well-being and also for, for offering advice. Now interestingly, the major barriers were cost to patient. Earlier on, I said from some research we found, patients are actually prepared to pay that premium for the choice and the convenience. Pharmacists still have a sticking point with that. Uh, in terms of comparing it to a prescription price. Having said that, in some focus groups, when it was explained to pharmacists the added value that pharmacists were giving in terms of advice, convenience, time saved, choice, and the value that customers put on that, they did look at it in a different light. I mean, without doubt, there are some patients where the cost is prohibitive and you would use your professional judgment to refer them back to um, the GP if, if need be for a prescription. But as I said, for a lot of patients, it's actually 
you know, an added value service and something that they're willing to pay for. Another major barrier was counselling time. You know, how much time are they going to have to devote to a consultation? I mean, bearing in mind when you're selling an OTC medicine now, you do the WAM questioning automatically in your head and you automatically filter the questions. With a POM2P, often there's a questionnaire involved. There's a more in-depth consultation. So it's how, how do pharmacists allow for that? How do they get the return on investment in terms of their time? And as I said, the questionnaire is another thing, another barrier. Some other factors that are at play, evidence-based, particularly looking at the Zocor example for ex um, when it was launched, it was a different, th it was a different um, dose compared to the, the prescription dose. So there was an issue there. Um, although since then it's been proven that actually that dose is, is effective. But it wasn't communicated to pharmacists, so their beliefs at that time um, had set and it was very difficult to change that. Risk management, again, in terms of liability, in terms of misdiagnosis, that's quite a strong factor. And CPD, you know, if, it's, if their pharmacists and the staff are investing time in getting prepared for this, are they going to get value out of that? Are they going to be able to use some of those skills and learnings for other activities in the pharmacy, not just that product? Which is why linking it to a service is good. The survey looked at also empowerment. They asked pharmacists, which switches have you felt empowered by? And this is in order of decreasing empowerment. So the top one is the one where they felt most empowered in terms of uh, you know, an unmet need, um, one that fulfills their counselling role. I don't know whether anyone can take a guess. Chloramphenicol, Optrex Chloramphenicol. I can see a few people raising their eyebrows and nodding. I, I think with chloramphenicol, it was a common encounter when patient comes in, customer comes in, particularly on behalf of a child, and the pharmacist was powerless to do anything about it, and it was always a referral back to the GP. And the GP writes a prescription, comes back to the pharmacy, and the pharmacist dispenses it. So in terms of empowerment, it was quite a powerful switch. So almost all pharmacists said they felt empowered by chloramphenicol. Levonil, the emergency hormonal contraception, came close second. Umivate, Curanel. Again, with Curanel, there was nothing else that the pharmacists could provide. There wasn't another treatment that they could recommend. So that gave them a new, it provided a new category for them. Feminax, so naproxen. Flixinase, Imigran, Volterol, Clamel, and Zocor. And independent pharmacists felt much more empowered by POM2Ps compared to multiples. And I think the reason for that, independent pharmacists were able to take more control of the POM2P in terms of what service they offer with it, how they link it into other services. So they felt a lot more empowered and they felt they added to the value of the, of the pharmacy service. So the conclusion, pharmacists 
clearly wanted more pom to peas. So that was clear. But it's about having switches that made them feel empowered, so they felt there was a value there and there was a reason to get involved.